Constellation. 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 I looked at myself and I thought, I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am Welcome to Pretty Intuitive Podcast, an inclusive podcast that embraces the human experience through a spiritual lens while also uplifting BIPOC, LGBTQIA. Plus and neurodivergent voices. I'm Nike Oreya, a creative, intuitive, and self-empowerment catalyst who helps connect humans to their intuitive gifts and embrace the magic of being themselves. I work with goddesses, archetypes, and ancestors to propel you to be brave in expressing and affirming your authentic self in your everyday life. Welcome to this potent space. Hello, welcome back to Pretty Intuitive Podcast. Hi besties, I missed you. I was going to upload the 31st and then there was just, it was just really hectic during that time and I didn't want to rush the episode, but I'm so glad to be back with y'all in the new year. I'm so excited for what's to come and I just wanted to thank y'all immensely for coming into 2022 with me. The support, the listens, the clicks, the connections, when y'all slide in my DMs, when you post me, um, it's just so amazing. It's so needed and it's so inspiring for, for me because it really just showcases that I'm doing what I'm meant to do and that people care about the things that I also care about. So I just wanted to say uh, air, air hug right now. Come just bring it in. Bring it in, bestie. Bring it in. <laughs> that being said, I'm just really excited for what's to come. As y'all know, um, I'm starting Catalyst, which is my intuitive business group coaching the end of January. The application is still open. If you're interested in learning how to be inclusive and um, trauma-informed, especially when it comes to BIPOC and creating safe healing spaces, you should definitely check out the link down below for the application. And then I also have my ancestral healing retreat that's coming up in June. Y'all, if you're interested in doing the healing retreat, the best time to sign up actually is this week because of the new year, I decided that I would extend my early uh, early bird deal and also offer a free ancestral connection session. The reason why is just that I was inspired to do so. It's the new year, new intentions, new goals, new healing goals as well. So I wanted to make it available and accessible. And it's perfect because if you're doing a payment plan, it's a five month payment plan where it's really attainable to invest in the retreat. So I just want to offer it for this week, including the free ancestral connection session that will really help us dive into ancestral traumas, wounds, and cycles and curses that need to be resolved and need to be healed, as well as tap into your inheritance and your gifts. So that link is also going to be down below if you're interested. I'm so excited for the retreat. Like I'm, I'm just so excited already. Four people have signed up. There's about six more spots open, um, so it is filling up 
pretty quick. Um, and it will never be this price ever again because this is my first retreat. Um, the price is way, way more accessible and it, it's even more accessible than other retreats. Usually retreats start out at like $4,000. So I am just super, super excited um, that I have the opportunity to do this and meet y'all and connect with you and just be an awesome healing container. Um, with that being said, I kind of wanted to focus this episode on um, kind of showcasing my ancestral healing journey and showing y'all what can happen when you do commit to building a relationship with your ancestors and also you do generational healing. Um, you break those cycles, you break the curses, and you tap into your inheritance and your gifts. And I'm a perfect example of that. That is why I teach other people how to do it because I've done it. And it's really interesting. I, uh, last week, was invited to come to somebody's um, community group and be a guest speaker and talk about ancestral healing and do an exercise around it. And at the end, when we had questions, um, one of the participants was like, I wonder how ancestral healing shows up and benefits someone who doesn't really know their ancestry. Like, it seems like you know your ancestry pretty well and you had a really great um, starting point. So how about those who don't have that? Like, where where can they start? Does it benefit them, etc.? And I thought their question was so interesting because even though I did have quite a decent starting point. I don't think the starting point is was as death as people think it was just based on how they see me now. It definitely took a lot of work. It took a lot of intention. It took a lot of healing. And there's so much that actually I ended up learning about my ancestry, my lineage, and my family that I would not have learned without doing ancestral healing and connection. And so I kind of wanted to share my journey with y'all today. So um, if y'all don't know, I am West African. I actually have a dual citizenship where I'm an American citizen, but I'm also a Benoit citizen, which is the small country in West Africa. And so I was born in the States, but because my parents are West African and they were born in Benin, I also had that citizenship there. I also grew up going to Benin quite often when I was younger, going to Benin in France because that's where a majority of my family uh, still reside. And I also am bilingual. I know French and English. I don't know any African languages, at least not in depth. I know a few things like Mufo Ganji, Ayo, but like I can't hold a conversation. Um, so unfortunately, I only know the colonizers' languages, which is so interesting if you think about it. <laughs> um, but I kind of digress. So that is kind of my background. And when I first started doing ancestral work, I knew that I was African. I knew that I was West African. I knew the culture um, decently. Now, I also grew up as a first-generation 
American eldest daughter in the States. And so I don't know the culture as well. I wasn't emerged in it as well as like some of my cousins who really grew up in the country with the language, with the history, etc. While I was learning American history and bits and pieces of world history, my cousins were learning Beninois history and French history. And so I think people often forget that too. There is some part of assimilation that happens when you do um, migrate to another country or emigrate to another country. And like the things that we learn in the United States is vastly different than what the things they learn in other countries. Um, and so I would say like, I was really fortunate that I was able to go back to Benin in the summers and I spent a lot of time there and I know the like the region, I know the culture, I grew up with the culture, but it is a, a very different experience than if I had grown up there myself because some parts of me still have to adopt the United States way of thinking and doing things and the things that we learned in school and etc. But I will say that my parents did try to keep us grounded in our roots, my sister and I. Um, my name is African, even Nike. The pronunciation isn't necessarily Nike. It's Nike. A lot of people don't say it in America. People are starting to pronounce names more. But growing up, people couldn't say my name. And they would call me Nike or Nike, I mean, sorry. <laughs> I like when people pronounce Nike, but they would call me like, um, instead of saying Nike, they would be like, Nike, Nike, Nike. Like it felt like a microaggression that what that's trying to ask the stroll, but it's just like Nike. Um, so fun fact, I feel like I have three different names. Um, people who are, are not a part of my family usually call me Nike and my family usually calls me Nike. Um, but it's the same spelling and everything. But I kind of digress there. Um, so my parents gave us traditional African names. Also, fun fact, like my cousins, they have traditionally Angle or like French names or Christian names as their first names. So growing up, my sister and I were the only ones who had African names, which is so like funny. Um, um, like I have a cousin whose name is Eric and I have another cousin whose name is Kate and yeah it's just I, it's, yeah um so they try to keep us connected in that way and um of course um teach us like bits and pieces about the history etc um so I also I always knew I was West African and I also knew my tribes because in Benin you were still connected to your tribes like um because it's also connected to the language. So for example, a prominent tribe in Benin in Nigeria is Yoruba. You know, a lot of people, they know West Africa, they recognize Yoruba. Um, so like I'm part Yoruba. I also have some other tribes on both my mom's and dad's side. Um, and you know that by, you know, just historically in the language, before they used to do markings on the body to kind of show which tribe you were from. They try not to do that anymore. I think that ended with my parents' generation or maybe my grandma's generation. I remember my grandma was like adamant that my mom would get markings on her body. But um, yeah, a lot of people know what tribe they came from because like the language that they came. So for example, my parents, um, they know their African languages. My mom knows more than my father because of her tribes. Um, that's just how it works. <laughs> it's really interesting, actually. So I kind of knew that. 
Um, and so when I first started my ancestral work, you know, I was like, okay, that was my starting point. Um, looking to the history of Benin, looking to colonization, the traumas that occurred there and how it might relate with my family. A couple things. Um, Benin was one of the ports for uh, the modern day, or not modern day, but for the, tr the slave trade. So a lot of slaves came through Benin. If you go to Benin at the beach, there is um, a monument that represents like that is where they took the slaves. Um, so a lot of energy and historical understanding is that in Benin. Um, another bit of Benin is Benin had the, it was a part of like the Benin Empire and um, the, oh, sorry, not the Benin Empire. <laughs> Benin before was known as Dahomey. Um, the name was changed after they got independence. I have a lot of different theories and intuitive ponderings about that. Um, so a lot of Beninois history, if you just Google Benin, is actually buried. If you Google Dahomey, it's a whole nother story. Why? Um, because Dahomey was actually a very vibrant and abundant kingdom. Very, very powerful. Um, I have ancestry that worked as oracles in the empire. So it's interesting that I'm also intuitive and I also see things. <laughs> um, and I only found that out when I started doing ancestral work. All the stuff I'm also telling you can be um, fact-checked, which is interesting. So um, where was I saying? So Benin um, was Dahomey. And Dahomey um, also had the warrior woman army. So if you've seen Wonder Woman and the Amazons, the Amazons were real in Benin. They were all women warrior group that defeated the French army several, several times. They were fierce, they were strong, and they were intelligent. So if you ever seen um, Black Panther, that um, the woman army is based on the Dahomey woman warrior. And I think it's so interesting that people really, um, they're in awe of Wonder Woman and the Amazons and the mythical Amazons without knowing that there's actual history that women like that existed. But because they're Black and African, we don't really uphold them and give them as much recognition. I even posted it on it on TikTok twice and it got not as many views as I think it should have. Like I think the highest one, it was like 800 likes and like a thousand views. So it's just, there's a lot of things in African history if you really pay close attention to that mimics Greek mythology. That's a whole other thing. Maybe I'll do an episode on it. And so that's also really interesting. And like I mentioned my name, Nike, N-I-K-E is also Nike. Nike is a Greek goddess of victory. Nike is also very, um, it's a very important and also common Bidinois and Yoruba name. It's just interesting the connections, but I kind of digress. I'm gonna digress a lot. <laughs> Let's go back to the ancestry. So that was my starting, right? Um, I kind of knew those things. <sighs> So when I first started ancestral work, I did it a lot for um, 
one, learning how to self-validate and self-affirm myself, no longer people-pleasing, no longer um, assimilating. I really wanted to find my strength in my identity. Um, Going up as a Black woman, a Black girl um, in America was actually really hard. I actually have a lot of racial trauma that I've unpacked in the last two years in therapy. And it's because we don't, we don't usually consider racial trauma to be trauma we just consider it a way of life a way of living for several people um because it's the norm and unfortunately it is the norm so sometimes we don't recognize that you still need to heal those aspects and so that's what I wanted to do ancestral connection to do that kind of healing and also to understand like my power understand like where I came from growing up in America you're told that you're nothing you're told that because you're dark, you're ugly, because your hair is coily, it's not beautiful. I was told all of that stuff growing up. I was called the N-word when I was four with like such hate and like poisonous energy. I was, my name was mispronounced all the way up until um, sixth grade. I had a Taekwondo uh, teacher who wouldn't even say my name. He would call me lady (laughs) all the years I did Taekwondo. I had kids, you know, make fun of me for being African, saying that we lived in huts and we lived in trees and we lived with the monkeys. I also had people who maybe didn't know I was African, but they would make fun of me for being black, saying that I should have been a slave. If if there were still slaves, I would be picking cotton, all these things. And so all that child, inner child stuff, um, I wanted to heal and I wanted to understand, okay, where do we come from? Because in the media, the way that Black people are portrayed and the way that Africans are portrayed, it really beats you down. Even when we learn history, when we learn about slavery, we learn it in elementary school. And the way that they talk about it is so, the first piece of um, history that we usually learn about Black people is like portrayed in such a negative and victimhood way where people really like look down and the way that we introduce things strategically like that in the education system is for a reason it's part of a systematic impression and so I really wanted to you know understand my guess understand where I came from the badassery that was me the my ancestors who persevered and who fought and who lived through amazing times, but also harmful and hurtful times. I wanted to get back to that. So that's when I started ancestral work. Um, I would say that my intuitive spiritual journey started in 2016. And ancestral work started for me in 2018, like getting really serious about it. But all throughout my life, I've always done intuitive development and I've always tried to connect ancestrally and with saints, which is interesting. Um, But when I started to get really serious about it, like we are committing, it's going to be hard. I'm going to cry every day. I isolated myself. I didn't really have any friends that year was 2018. So, um... Let me tell you about some things that have, let me tell you a story about something that happened after years of doing ancestral work and connection, a missing piece of my lineage came through, was channeled through. It's an amazing story. Um, It's my testament to like, even if you feel like you know exactly where you came from, or you feel like you don't, 
the pieces reveal themselves. So even if you know, you're like, I know I came from this tribe, from this place, from this way, there's so much still that we don't know because of memory, because people pass and they don't necessarily always share it or it's just forgotten. This is like a testament to that. And this is why I think ancestral work is not only so important, but it is so illuminating. So my um, on my mom's side, we always knew we had Portuguese ancestry. And we assumed because of colonization, the Portuguese, they colonized a lot of different countries in Africa, but they were very bad at it. So the French took over all of their countries. One of the countries was Benin. And because we knew we had that ancestry and I've taken a DNA test and I'm, I have some Portuguese ancestry, we figured it was because of the colonization and something happened and either out of love or most likely out of not something so loving, they infiltrated the lineage, okay? They infiltrated the lineage. So we always thought, okay, that's how it, it must have been. Um, but then um, one time, a couple months ago, uh, more than a year, um, my mom sends me a picture. <laughs> She's like, look at this woman. She was a part of our ancestry. Um, her name is so-and-so. And I Googled the name. I don't know why I don't remember it. And I just got a new phone, so I know it's not on my phone. Um, also, I don't want to tell too much detail about my ancestry because my ancestry and the history of my lineage is found in textbooks <laughs> so you'll be learning you, I'm just I'm a Scorpio rising we like to keep some things in the mystery <laughs> um but my mom shows me the picture and it was she was considered a princess so my sister and I were like oh my gosh we're royalty <laughs> but my mom sends us her and it's so funny she like the picture she looks exactly like my mom's side of the family um, the features were very similar and so I did some digging um, and I was asking like why now because my mom doesn't do ancestry work because of a lot of trauma that generation doesn't do ancestry work my parents the country Dahomey Benin now known was only given independence the year before my parents were born so there's a lot of generational trauma even within that so she doesn't do ancestry work, but my guides worked through her to provide this photo that like one of my cousins was like discovering. If you, in my generation, my cousins are doing a lot of ancestry work. I have a cousin, he like broke down our lineage on my dad's side and he did like a whole family tree. And that was something that was so interesting too. But basically I got this photo with some information because like I said <laughs> they're in the history books so like it was some historical information and I do some digging but first I ask my ancestors where do you want to look me to look and why is this showing up now and they gave me my answer and okay this is also the thing because it's another country and it's another language it's not easy to find this information and there's not a lot of research or work that's been done around it. So really it fell into my lap seamlessly, but it shouldn't have been that easy to find this out on my side of the family. Like think about it. It's not like an American historical family and everything's in English and accessible. Like it's in other languages. It's in French, um, 
I know how to read French, but still, um, it's in the African languages and it's also in Portuguese, which I don't know how to speak Portuguese or read it. So I keep digressing, but I swear I'll get to the point. So uh, I see this picture. I do some research. I'm ancestrally led, ancestrally led to all these different avenues, all these different like um, research papers even were popping up. It was so interesting. And I found out that that part of the lineage originally was Afro-Brazilian. <laughs> so this is what basically happened. Because in Latin America, there was also the slave, the slave trade um, in a, a lot of different countries too. So um, before in like the 19, or sorry, the 1600s, um, that part of the lineage was taken to Brazil as slaves. And um, they became Brazilian because they were taken to Brazil as slaves. They worked on the plantations there. And then they also intersected um, with the indigenous people there. So I have Afro-Indigenous and Afro-Brazilian ancestry on that side. They were slaves and then there was a revolution in Brazil. Um, give me one second. Okay, so I just wanted to look up specific dates because it's really important and I got the ancestral urge to do so. So remember how I said I am Yoruba? If you even just look it up, if you look up slave revolution in Brazil, there were significant slave revolutions in the 17 in 1798, 1807, 1814, and the Mele revolt of 1835. Um, and it was the Yoruba slaves who did it, or the enslaved. So they rebelled. There was an uprising, and they got they were no longer enslaved because of the the uprising I don't know what to like call it um I'm not sure which 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 revolution it was but I believe it was the 1807 one and so that those um enslaved who were formerly enslaved they decided to go back to Benin which is really interesting and kind of unheard of. I think it was around a thousand people. I don't have my notes because this is a little bit more relaxed. Um, and also I don't want to give too many details because I don't want y'all to see, but you don't, you don't, I don't want you to know who, who exactly they were because I got some prominent people, some famous people on the lineage. <laughs> um, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking, but um it was it was unheard of um those who were enslaved to go back to Africa because if you think about it like I said they were brought in the 1600s the revolution happened in 1800 that is a lot of years that's a lot of years all they knew was Brazil all they knew was Brazil they were Afro-Brazilian just like there's many Afro-Latinos and Latinx and Afro-Brazilians um, to this day. So, but they took a chance and they decided to go, to go back to Africa, they go, to go back to Benin. Um, and then they went back and then they continued on the lineage. Um, so if anything would have been intersected, then, um, 
technically on my mom's side, they would be um, Afro-Brazil, like my mom would have came from Brazil. What's so interesting too, that's coming up to just share with y'all is that, so my mom speaks five languages. Um, she's very intelligent. She's a Gemini. <laughs> I just know someone's going to be like, oh my God, you have a Gemini mother. You poor soul. But I literally love Geminis because of my mom. And she grew up um, in other countries. You, you need to learn two languages. So most people learn English and they learn another language. And she decided to learn Spanish. When she came to this country, to the United States, actually, she mostly spoke Spanish um, rather than English because people are really rude with accents like people who immigrated in the 90s and 80s bless their souls because people were very xenophobic so she usually spoke um spanish to um a lot of latinx in the country and so a lot of people thought that she was afro um latina (laughs) she was like no i'm african but a lot of people thought she was afro latina and I think even like the features, you can see some indigenous features on that side, which is really interesting. But again, I digress. <laughs> um, so that was a little dive into ancestry. And I say that all to say, and why that's something that I wanted to share and I wanted to highlight is because if I hadn't done ancestral work or started ancestral work, we would have known that. When I shared this information with my parents, specifically my mom, she was like, what? That's crazy. And there's actually, like I said, um, it's well documented, or it's not well documented, but it is documented. And so I was led to find this um, research paper that was done on that part of the lineage. And she was able to read it. And things just started clicking, like things started to make sense that didn't make sense before. And even for me, things started to make sense that didn't make sense before as well. And so even though I had a good foundation of where I came from, right? Like I'm African, I know these tribes, I know this, there were still things that were to be revealed. And if I hadn't done ancestral healing and connection, I don't know if I would have found it out ever or even now. Um, a lot of my grandparents have passed. Um, they're not here. And like I said, the generation, my parents' generation, there is still some trauma. There's still the effects of colonialism and colonization. But also beyond that, there's the effects of the name change with the country that has a, has done a lot of erasure to the history. And so um, there was also instances of like the burning of books and all those things and um, the logs and things like that. So if I hadn't done that, if my ancestors hadn't led me to that, I don't know if I would have known that was a part of my lineage. And it's not that it makes a huge difference, right? Like I'm not like I'm Afro-Brazilian, like now it's this, this, and this. But again, it just kind of illuminates things for me. It actually does help with even more healing. Like I used to think that I didn't have, um, enslaved trauma um like a lot of black americans do but yeah i do (laughs) i do and it was validating for me because i felt 
trauma like that. Um, I grew up in Georgia and they used to take us to plantations for field trips. Now, looking back at that, it's like, okay, that was kind of, I guess it's good for historically, but it was kind of like, eh. And I remember going there to those plantations and feeling like a sense of like doom, like, I don't want this to happen again. Or I remember when I learned about slavery and like the boats and like how they used to stack um, those that they would um kidnap and <sighs> enslave like I used to feel feel like I was drowning every time I would see it like I was suffocating and so it makes sense it makes sense um so and it just furthers the healing that I can do knowing that part of my lineage needs that um and also those things come up too like without necessarily knowing the history, but um, I can say that your ancestry has your highest intention in mind, well, because we only connect with the ancestry that has your highest intention in mind in my healing containers, that's what happens. And so all these things, the cycles that we learn, the traumas that have happened, the way that our father has repeated the same thing that we see repeating in our life, or our mother has this characteristic that we she keeps showing up in our own lives. All of that, um, as, as soon as we acknowledge and we are open to receiving guidance in order to figure out where to begin, that's when the magic happens. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share that story. Um, let me know what you think, if it was interesting, if you have any similar stories, I would love to know. I have other stories too, um, about lineage stuff that has happened since ancestral healing. Like it's honestly been wild, but it's also been like, I don't know. It's been wild, but it's been like, wow, like I'm so glad I've done this work and I can help other people do this work. So Again, happy New Year's, y'all. I love you so much. And until next time, stay pretty intuitive. Bye. Oh, and the retreat. Don't forget the retreat. If you're really interested, check it out. Oh my gosh, check out the link down below. Thank y'all so much for listening to this episode. If this episode or any episode has been illuminating, you've enjoyed, please consider leaving me a rating review on iTunes and a rating on Spotify. It really helps me and the show out. It helps support the show. It helps support me. And it also helps other people find the show. Love you besties. Bye.